Well, greetings and welcome to the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. This is David Carnes, and it is great to be with you again. And we're here to begin another week together. And as we start our time together this week, there is a unique feature that we want to incorporate into the podcast, and that is from time to time, I'm going to bring you a guest interview. And this is what we have scheduled for this entire week. And let me say that I am so excited to bring you a a discussion that I had recently with Joshua Doss. And Joshua is the global president of a ministry called Witness Ministries based out of Chittagong, Bangladesh, a ministry that is focused on working with the local churches in Bangladesh, a country, by the way, that's 90% Muslim, and then helping those churches with discipleship. And so we asked Joshua if he had spent some time with us this week, just sharing with us the details of this ministry, his his heart for seeing God's local church do the work of discipling the saved, and then, of course, seeing the church take the gospel into the world. But I think you're going to find our interview with Joshua most interesting. And so I welcome you to our visit with Joshua Doss, again, the global president of Witness Ministries. And we're talking to Joshua Doss on the podcast today. Joshua, welcome. Glad to have you here. Uh, glad to be on this podcast. Thank you for having me. I uh, Well, let me say, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, Joshua, by the way, is the global president uh, for Witness Ministries out of Chittagong, Bangladesh. Uh, now, let me also say this, uh, because you might be asking yourself, well, how do you know uh, Joshua Doss? Well, Uh, This is very important, Joshua's family. Uh, Joshua is my son-in-law. He is married to my daughter, Megan, and uh, also the father of Samuel, our grandson. And uh, so that is how I know Joshua. And uh, Joshua, again, uh, it is just so uh, good to have you here. Um, So let's just get into this. Uh, Joshua, you were born in uh, Bangladesh. Uh, We are going to get to the Witness Ministries. in just a bit, but let's start by just talking about uh, this beautiful country that you're from. I've been there once, it was many years ago, but uh, tell us about Bangladesh. Well, Ms. Carnes, thank you for that question. Uh, Thank you for being interested in Bangladesh. Uh, It is a a country that's close to my heart. I was born there, right? Right. Uh, And uh, Bangladesh is a beautiful country located in South Asia. A lot of people don't know where it is exactly located um i usually tell people because they know where india is right it's located in the left armpit of india (laughs) you know uh, uh, just between myanmar and india uh it's a beautiful country that is known for its hospitality uh, that it's a very communal culture very people focused uh and speaking of people focused uh we've got a lot of them there yes you do uh uh, in the recent, according to the 2021 census, uh, we've got about 166 million people living in the country of Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, let's put that in context. What's the area of Bangladesh? It's about 147,000 square kilometers. I know in the U.S. we do square miles, but yes. uh, let's put that into context of um, a state. It's a little bigger than the state of New York. Okay. Now, 166 million is more than, uh, sorry, 167 million is a little more than half the population of the United States. Right. So imagine that, shoving more than half the population of the United States into (laughs) a 
uh, land size that's a little bigger than the state of New York. Absolutely. Uh, so that essentially makes us probably one of the most densely populated country in the world. Mm-hmm. Out of that 166 million people, I apologize, 167. The 166 number is a previous census. The uh, latest census is 167 million. Okay. million. Uh, out of the 167 million people that lives in Bangladesh, about 90% subscribes to the Muslim faith, okay. the, the uh, Islam faith. Right. And about 8% uh, subscribes to the Hindu uh, faith because Bangladesh, India, and Pakistan was once a big country mm-hmm. before 1948 when they split because the Muslims wanted their own um, land. And right. that's why a lot of Muslims migrated to Pakistan and then East Pakistan, okay. which was Bangladesh. Okay. Uh, Bangladesh gained its independence in 1971 from West Pakistan and became its own nation. And that contributes to the large number of uh, Muslim people because in 1948, the Muslim from mainland India migrated to West and East Pakistan. Um, But out of that, uh, that's why we've got 8% of Hindu, which is the remnant from the 1948 partition. Mm. However, uh, the the statistic that keeps me going every day, uh, that kept me going through seminary when I wanted to quit, is that 0.3% of the population subscribes to the Christian faith. When I say subscribe, I mean identify with Christian faith. Okay. Uh, so th- th- that means they will, when asked, what's your religion, they will say Christian. Mm-hmm. That does not necessarily mean evangelical uh, professing believers. Um, what, what are they thinking that they're subscribing to? When they say, yes, I'm Christian. This is a, because Bangladesh has a very big Catholic influence because of the trade routes mm-hmm. back in the day, a big Portuguese uh, influence. Mm-hmm. So a lot of Catholic, uh, so of that 0.3%, 0.2 would be Roman Catholic. Okay. And uh, this is just more traditional. I was born into a Christian family, mm-hmm. thus I'm a Christian. Yeah. Uh, not that personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just, I've been born into this tradition. I'm a Christian. I just do my nominal things. I go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, I come back home and I have lunch. Right. Uh, so that 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 is yeah. what I mean by nominal or uh, would just identify with Christianity. The country itself, Bangladesh, what, uh, when you think of Bangladesh, what is Bangladesh known for? I would say it's hospitality. Yeah. Uh, we really uh, love to host people. Right. But also, um, the language, Bangla. Yeah. Uh, we are the only nation in the world that has shed blood for the right to speak our own language. And what do you mean by that? Uh, so, because remember that context of 1948, when we separated, we were known as East Pakistan right. from 1948 to 1971. Mm. So West Pakistan was imposing that the state language shall, shall be Urdu. Okay. But we, we didn't speak Urdu. We, we spoke Bangla uh-huh. and we wanted to speak and uh, we revolted. We said, hey, we want to speak Bangla and uh, the military um, kind of fired against the general population. There was bloodshed, made the news mm-hmm. and Pakistan had to relent from forcing Urdu uh, 
onto Bangla people, mm -hmm. uh, Bangladeshi people. Mm -hmm. So February 21st is actually known as International Mother Language Day. Is it? Because that's the day <laughs> Bangladesh revolted saying, okay. hey, we don't want to speak a language that is uh, imposed on us. We want to speak right. the language of our heart, which is Bangla. Mm -hmm. And funny you bring that up because the etymology of the uh, name of Bangladesh, Bangla is the language. Yes. Desh means country. Okay. So Bangladesh means the nation that speaks Bangla. About, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Ah, yeah. Interesting. Well, as I said, uh, now it's been years. Uh, and I, w I was over there with Megan the first time that we went over there. The, the people were wonderful. Uh, very friendly. Very hospitable. Mm -hmm. uh, hospitality like I'd never experienced before. Mm -hmm. It was just a blessing to be over there. Yep. Love your nation. Well, I, I do too. <laughs> well... I tell you what, now that moves me to uh, something else then that I want to just speak to you uh, about. Uh, your family. Now, again, okay, you've just shared with us that uh, Bangladesh, a nation 90% Muslim, um, you come to faith in Jesus. Uh, your father comes to faith in Jesus. Your mother comes to faith in Jesus. Uh, tell us about that journey. Well, thank you for that question. Actually, my salvation story starts a generation before me. It starts with my the story of my dad's salvation. Yeah. Uh, my dad grew up in a Hindu family uh, as a farmer, uh, just tending to the cows and the sheep of his family. But all his life, he wondered, man, there, there's got to be something more than just bowing down to idols, giving them food that they never eat, uh, and... and doing all these veneration for prosperity and uh, there must be something more. And he's a classic example of when the Holy Spirit goes before you in the field of evangelism. Mm -hmm. He was just searching. He was searching for the gospel. Right. And he told me he remembers the first time a preacher came into his village. The first time he heard the gospel, mm -hmm. he said, this is what I've been waiting for all my life. Yes. And he accepted Jesus Christ the first time he heard the gospel. Now, what, how old was he? I, I think he was about in his uh, early 20s, okay. 22, yeah. 24. Okay. Uh, because that decision cost him uh, his house. Uh, he was kicked out of his house yeah. because of his decision to follow Jesus Christ. He was... Um, kind of excommunicated. So like, his family banished him? Yeah, his family banished him. No yeah. no right to the land, no right to any, mm -hmm. um, any kind of property, and even the right to come and stay at the home. Yeah. And uh, he said, that's okay. Um, he mm -hmm. trusted the Lord, and he came into the city, um, and he started as a peon at the place he works right now. It's a mission agency. Mm -hmm. So he would just, uh, you know, sell books uh the literature division would uh produce yes these are christian literature yes he would go get on trains and try and sell these uh <laughs> tracts or books and uh he told me he would uh, he would even sleep on the rail station just to get uh one of those journey um one of those trains really uh and just live off the commission he would get yes. selling those christian literature uh, and then eventually he became a peon, just um, running errands for the missionaries. And um, and then he actually met my mother because uh, he came to Christ. He met my mother at 
church. Uh, and okay. this is a unique uh, story because usually the conversion happens because you like someone yeah. back home. Is that how it works? Yeah. yeah. You marry into yeah. Christianity. However, I'm so glad that my father found Christ before yes. he ever found my mom. Yes. Uh, and my mom comes from a heavily Catholic family. Mm-hmm. And uh, because of the faithful uh, ministering of um, Lynn Silvernail to my grandma, uh, this is a missionary from the United States to Bangladesh, and I, I feel like she knows Bangla better than me. Spent 45 years there, Lynn Silvernail. Yes. And she ministered to my grandma, and my grandma came to, maternal grandma. Yes. Uh, she came to faith in Christ, and that's how the whole family came to know Jesus Christ. And then my dad met my mom, and they got married in 1989, and... September thirteenth, nineteen ninety, uh, they had their firstborn, and uh, and that's you. That's me. There you go. That's me. So Lynn Silverdale, yes, a missionary to Bangladesh from the states. Yes, sir. Was there for forty five years. Forty five years. I, I, I and she was instrumental in the um, Bible translation process of the Carey version Bangla. So we still have the version William Carey translated. Do you? Yes. But that is like the KGV. Yes. It's, it's a very high bond that normal people would not understand. And Lynn Silvernail was very instrumental in translating that to the uh, normal uh, language uh, of Bangla. Right. Uh, and uh, I, I still keep in touch with her. Uh, she, mm-hmm. She's been... Uh, my first two Thanksgiving here in the States, I spent with Lynn Silvernail, and she's one of uh, the heroes of faith for yes. myself. Um, Outstanding. Yeah. Isn't that wonderful that God placed her there? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Let, let me ask you this, uh, Joshua. Uh, growing up Christian uh, in Bangladesh, was it difficult for you? You spoke about how your dad was uh, cast out of his family. What about you uh, mm-hmm. growing up Christian there? Let me go back to how I came to know Christ. Sure. As as I say that, I'm so thankful for the, the work that the Lord has worked in my parents because uh, from the very beginning, my, my, my dad believed that um, I should go to church. When I was an infant, when I, I didn't even know what was going on, he said we should take him to church because... Uh, being with the saints, uh, he'll, he'll be part of the blessing. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was part of my family prayer uh, from before I I can, I know I was part of my family prayer. And my, my parents did a really good job of just instill, instilling the fear of God, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the godly fear, but also the love of God, just teaching me. Uh, but I still remember, I was four and a half years old, and you might say, hey, what do you remember as a four and a half year old? Yes. I remember it was Easter Sunday, April 16, 1995. You remember the day? It, it, April 16, 1995. It was Easter morning. Uh-huh. Dr. John Shurkar preached uh, the sermon that day. And my dad asked me uh, after the service was over, he's like, hey, do you want to uh, ask Jesus to be your savior today? Uh-huh. And I said, I'm ready. Uh, and that's it. You know what? I want Dr. Shorkar to do this. So I went up on the stage, stage right. I remember stage right. Uh, two, two chairs and uh, Dr. Shorkar just uh, walked me through the process of uh, recognizing I'm a sinner, yes. the need for a savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
once that once I do trust Jesus Christ, there's no condemnation. There's no fear of death. Yes. I tell you what, you know, as a four and a half year old, I didn't know anything about justification, sanctification, <laughs> uh, uh, ecclesiology, all the appropriation. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I knew that if I if I died in a car accident that day, I would walk the streets of gold with my Savior, Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. Yes. Um, so as a four and a half year old, because of the faithful uh, faithful ministry of Lynn Settle for Nail, mm-hmm. the faithful preacher that went into that village and preached into that difficult Hindu village, mm-hmm. uh, I came to know Jesus Christ as an early age of four and a half years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you're coming back to your original question, growing up as a Christian in a Muslim nation, mm-hmm. I was blessed enough to go to a school called William Carey Academy. Yes. Um, and I don't know if the audiences know, but that's where Megan ended up doing her student teaching. Yes. Uh, but... Uh, that's where the top one percent went uh, went to school. The the elites of the community. These yes. are millionaires in a poor country. Mm-hmm. There's industrialists that, that are pretty well to do. Mm-hmm. These are the students that went to that school. So I grew up with some of the most affluent uh, friends. Mm-hmm. However, I was uh, I grew up dirt poor. Yes, uh, but I, I've I've always made my faith. Uh, very public um, and all my friends knew that uh, my faith was very important for me um, so I was just blessed to go to William Carey Academy it's, it was a Christian school mm-hmm. uh, that kind of protected me from the other persecutions however what I faced was when I graduated when I wanted to really go into med school and you know this was God working his miracles mm-hmm. here he didn't want me to go to med school, but uh, I, I tried to go into the government uh, medical schools. Yes. They wouldn't let me. The moment they uh, they see that my name starts Joshua, it's a, it's a very yes. clear Christian name. Christian name. Because I grew up in a U.S.-based school, they needed to convert those numbers to the local system. They wouldn't convert my numbers. And there was a precedence. Someone from my previous batch did Mm-hmm. get that done but they wouldn't do that for myself uh however when we started the ministry we we did find persecution uh as as a christian ministry with the government bu- bureaucracies they won't process our papers mm-hmm. uh just finding difficulties trying to get a bank account started mm-hmm. um and even when we would evangelize there there were oppositions but i think god really put me in that school for a reason that um I know some of the top 1% in the mm-hmm. country. So if I'd ever disappear, yes. uh, there'd be questions. Yeah. They, wouldn't be able, they wouldn't be able to just uh, put it under the rug. Yes. Well, listen, um, you know, when, uh, when you're talking about things like we're talking about, time flies. And uh, time has gone. And uh, we're going to have to come back again. Can you come back? Because we're not done. Well, I'd love to. All right, where are you going to? (laughs) um, We're talking with uh, Joshua Doss, who's uh, Global President for Witness Ministries. And we haven't even gotten to the ministry section of all of what we want to talk about. And so you come back uh, in our next podcast, and uh, we're going to talk more about uh, the uh, Witness Ministries. And you don't want to miss this. This is just fascinating. But again, so good to have you with us, Joshua, man. And uh, love you. Glad you're here with us. Thanks for having me. 
And that's part one of our visit with Joshua Doss. And the next time we're going to talk with Joshua about the nuts and bolts of witness ministry, this ministry that is at work in Bangladesh in the heart of a Muslim nation, seeking to strengthen the Christian church that exists there. And may I ask you to begin to do this? Would you please begin now to pray for Joshua and the ministry there? But I hope you have a great day. So glad that we could spend this time together. And we'll see you on Wednesday on the podcast that we call Time in God's Word. Thank you.